0: And welcome to Modern Animism Radio. I'm your host, Laura Giles, and we're here to make modern animism more accessible so that you can bring it into your everyday life. And today I'm talking about religious trauma syndrome. It's not animism specific, but it's a topic du jour, it seems. And if it's pertinent to some, it's probably on the minds of others. I'll say more about that in a moment, but let's first pause for gratitude. I acknowledge and thank the element of earth for the firm foundation under our feet, for the food that nourishes us, our connection to the land, our bodies, and all the sensuous delights that come with being human. I acknowledge and thank the element of air and ask that you help us to communicate clearly, listen with detachment, inspire, and be inspired by everyone who touches this podcast. I acknowledge and thank the element of fire for warmth, energy power to keep us growing and expanding remind us of our responsibilities so that we don't burn ourselves out or become reckless i acknowledge the element of water water is life death and rebirth it's purifying and flexible it helps us to feel our emotions go and to go into shadowy deep places so that we can grow Acknowledge and thank our loving, helping ancestors from the human, plant, animal, and mineral kingdoms. I thank you for all the help that we receive that is seen and unseen. Thank you to all our listeners for tuning in. If any of our content inspires you, please consider donating to the program. You can buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash pan society. If you want to join the conversation, find me on Clubhouse. That's where we hold weekly powwows and talks about all kinds of things. You can also send us your questions. We want to talk about what you want to hear about. And you guys have the most interesting questions. If uh, you're cash strapped but still want to support, you can uh, review our podcast and like it. That really actually helps us to be found and boosts our, um, what, what do you call that? Boost our ratings, I guess. Uh, If you want to learn more about contemporary animism, not just as an intellectual practice but something that you do in your everyday life, consider joining our online experiential animism class. It's totally holistic. One of the things about toxic religion that I'm going to talk about today is how, in some cases at least, the spirituality isn't holistic. It's compartmentalized, isolating, rigid, and not balanced or holistic. So, I think this is one of the major things that we have to offer at Pan Society. So spirituality is not just about you and your spirit. It's about your body, your mind, behaviors, and emotions too. It's not just about you, but your community and your environment. So you're not in it alone. You're part of the whole. And this is actually a protective factor from religious trauma because there are so many checks and balances. But let's look at what religious trauma syndrome is, shall we? For those who don't know, in addition to being a tribal animist, I'm also a holistic trauma therapist. And the symptoms of religious trauma syndrome are holistic. They impact your whole being, not just your mind. So the cognitive symptoms include confusion, poor critical thinking ability, negative beliefs about self ability and self worth, black and white thinking, perfectionism, difficulty with decision making, dissociation, flashbacks, intrusive thoughts and memory issues. Emotional symptoms are depression, anxiety, anger, grief, loneliness, difficulty feeling pleasure, loss of meaning, irritability, mood swings, and the inability to manage emotions, uh, suicidal thoughts. There are often feelings of worthlessness and guilt as well. Socially, it shows up as a loss of social network uh, family dysfunction, social awkwardness, and having a hard time maintaining relationships. Biologically, it can result in being behind schedule on developmental tasks and having sexual problems like either low libido or hyper libido, being afraid of sex, fearing that having sex will result in going to hell and things like that. So guilt-driven guilt, uh, uh, things. And there can be physical symptoms like headaches, chest pains, stomach aches. Cultural symptoms are unfamiliarity with the secular world, like so fish out of water feelings, feeling like you don't belong. Information gaps, like uh, you're not aware of evolution, modern art, modern music, things like that. And one of the worst symptoms is shame, because the person feels that they are somehow at fault for what happened to them. So religious trauma syndrome can happen in any spiritual path, and the cause, it's caused by authori- authoritarianism, um, toxic theology, which is received and reinforced at church, home, school. Uh, it's isolationism and invalidation and lack of control. So something like animism where your spirituality isn't confined to the church but runs throughout your whole uh life is actually a contributor too so when when you don't have anything that's not your your spirituality and it's toxic you can get religious trauma syndrome so red flags are strict policies of unquestioning obedience mean you're not allowed to have an opinion you're not the master of your fate and and your life is in someone else's hands and your afterlife is also in someone else's hands uh, an us versus men, them mentality is another red flag so if your spiritual path says that you're the chosen one and everyone else is an infidel or an outsider, watch out. If there's a threat to your eternal soul or divine retribution for doing something wrong, that's another huge red flag. Punishment, wrath, shame, control, and guilt are very loving ways to carry on a relationship and walk with spirit. So that's uh, it's a, it's a relationship, you know. And relationships like that are toxic. So your relationship with spirit should be a healthy one, too. Gender disparity is another red flag. I come from a matriarchal culture, and men and women are equal. We're different, and those differences are honored and celebrated as they should be. So if anyone is denigrated for their gender, color, age, sexual orientation, intelligence, mental health, you know, all the things that uh, we have... um, social awareness about it, you might want to question that it leaves open space for marginalizing people and behaving in abusive ways and and for having divine right to do that so that's not cool guys um, I would say that dogmatic rules are another red flag rules and boundaries are good things but what in life is absolute we all need to eat so we all kill but plants are alive too. So we all kill. And yes, it's a good idea not to kill or to kill indiscriminately. I'm just saying that there are exceptions to every rule, even extreme rules, and a wise man knows when to break a rule. So it's better to embrace wisdom than rules. When we have rules, it's the ones at the top that usually break them and the rest of us are held to account. And those rules are usually there to control the masses. So love is a much better force to tame our meaner impulses, I think. Anyway, these restrictive rules or dogma result in suppression of normal childhood development. So the things that I said, cognitive, social, emotional, moral stages, they're just behind. So you don't get to grow up normally or experience normal, developmentally appropriate things because you're too sheltered or it's just forbidden. So you're behind. Um, If uh, It damages normal thinking and feeling because you're... Thinking and feeling is not allowed free expression. Information is limited and controlled. Dysfunctional beliefs are taught. Independent thinking is condemned. Feelings are controlled so you don't get to grow, breathe, or be who you really are. And you think that you're damaged or bad for not conforming to all the things that you were told you're supposed to be. You know, nobody can live up to that. So every day you're feeling like I'm wrong, I'm bad, there's something really not right about me. So it's very shameful. And there's what we call an uh, external locus of control, meaning that you have to obey, basically. Knowledge is revealed, not discovered. So what I'm talking about is um, you see in these religions there's a prophet. God speaks to the prophet. Prophet tells the world. That's what a revealed religion is. So your own observations, your own thoughts, your own experience mean nothing. So it's about hierarchy and authority. You have none. And this hierarchy is strictly enforced, and you probably don't have any access to it. So you're, you never have any power. You don't know what's right or what's good, and you have to look outside of yourself for that. And that's, um, very damaging. It's not free. You don't get to be, exercise your free will that, that everybody was born to have. And, you know, it results in trauma. So obviously, that's not a good thing. Uh, Religious trauma syndrome also puts people at risk for physical and sexual abuse because of the patriarchal power. The father is the supreme head of the family. He can do whatever he wants. And this can result in unhealthy sexual abuse in a family system where punishment is used for discipline. This is upheld by doctrines like we see in the Bible where God is an angry God and sends plagues and floods to punish people. So when dad does these things, it's justified. You know, he's just emulating God and that's how order is maintained. So religious trauma syndrome is basically usually chronic post-traumatic stress syndrome that that is created through religion and you might be familiar with PTSD as shell shock or that thing that soldiers get after being in war that results in them having the shakes, nightmares, insomnia, and rages. You don't actually have to have been in war though or even have to have a life-threatening situation to have PTSD it's a serious condition that alters the nervous system so it's hard to function normally you're overly anxious on high alert all the time you're stuck in a cycle of negative thinking and you actually perpetuate your own suffering because you choose to be around people who either just like the abuser or just like you and that creates a trauma bond that sustains a cycle of abuse because it feels familiar so what I'm talking about is that you might get out of that situation, but you find yourself surrounded by people who are just like that, just maybe not religious. So PTSD is a very serious disorder that's disabling in some cases and was thought to be incurable not so long ago. It's usually a long road for recovery, but we have new treatment techniques that are so much more effective now. Still, the road to recovery is not an easy, or an easy one, and um, it's usually a long one. And in situations like religious trauma syndrome, it's even rougher because there may not have been any physical or sexual abuse. So people who are suffering from it may not even know that there's anything wrong. They might not feel all that great, but since there was no nothing that we describe as uh, uh, abuse, no, no hitting, no, nothing like that, they may never go for treatment. It can look like they had a loving family, in fact, and that they're just the odd person out, the black sheep. But when there's long term invalidation, like there is in religious trauma syndrome, we call that complex PTSD. So it's complex because it usually starts in childhood, so it's of long duration. And PTSD can happen with only one incident, like a rape or mugging. But with CPTSD or complex PTSD, the abuser was also usually someone close to you with whom you have a relationship that's supposed to be loving. So a caretaker, usually. Could, could, yes, yeah, usually a caretaker. Um, your abuser is also someone that you have to see on a regular basis and may depend on for care or financial support. So it's incredibly hard to break away from this because it essentially means turning your back on your whole life, maybe your whole family, and your culture, everything, and going it alone. Do you leave your parents, siblings, community, faith, and a lifestyle for something that is completely and utterly foreign and unknown where you might not feel safe, And you probably taught was taught that it was bad. So if you have to look outside of yourself for what is right, you're now completely without any rudder at all. Imagine how traumatizing that feels. So, yep, there is a newfound freedom and new possibilities. But the fear of what if I'm wrong and I go to hell is a hard thing to overcome when it's been part of your life for your whole life. And if you've never had agency, trust, or an identity of all your own, how do you begin to create that when you have no friends, no ties, no support, no foundation, no nothing? Toxic spiritual pasts have a double bind set up that you can't ever win. Trauma, t- toxic, you know, not just toxic spiritual pasts, but toxic people, toxic situations. There's all these double binds that you can't ever win. So in, in this one, though, you're guilty. You can't do anything about it except hope that God will forgive you. And your eternal fate depends on his mercy and favorable judgment. Additionally, you have to believe in his goodness and mercy, even if there's no evidence of that. And cross your fingers that you've done a good enough job when you die that you'll be rewarded. So this perpetuates judgment, guilt, and shame. There's no way out of it. And when your culture is condemning you for not being prompt enough, respectful enough, pious enough, or whatever enough, whatever it is you're being judged for, your self-concept just gets darker and darker. And we have to add to this the fact that spirituality is often seen as an asset to life. It gives us strength and comfort. So if you go to a therapist, she might not see anything wrong at all. Your family was perfect. They're good people. There was no hitting, no yelling. They loved you, and don't see anything wrong here. So maybe your therapist wants to encourage you to return to your faith because it's a it's a seen as a an asset, or she may dismiss it as something minor, like you stop believing in fairies. Like, oh, big deal. Okay, you switched, switched religions or you dropped your religion. Okay, no big deal. If she doesn't understand fundamentalism or trauma, you might not get any help with a therapist. So I'm so glad that people are starting to talk about religious trauma syndrome. Animism could actually contribute to this too by our belief in sovereignty. So I don't want to make it like we're outside of this problem. When you promote self-rule or sovereignty, so you're the one in the hierarchy, you're the one at the top of the totem pole, People can believe what they want to believe, and you can end up with really toxic behaviors. This is why we here at Pan Society balance sovereignty with connection and respect all beings, not just being authoritarian and subjecting people to our beliefs. So not all animist sex are like this. Um, so let's talk about ways to recover from this. Step one is to encourage free discourse, challenge ideas. I've of often said early and and all the time disagree with me send me your comments tell me your your point of view what is your experience there's always more than one way to view a topic and there's more than one way to be right details matter the Sun is always shining somewhere so you could be right and I could be right in some way um Let's listen to each other and see how our paths align or listen to hear the better, more efficient, more loving way of seeing something. So even though you can have two different truths be true at the same time, there still might be a more effective or efficient thing. Um, so, you know, always always be in line to upgrade your beliefs so that it's more efficient, more loving. Not that there's anything wrong with them, just, you know. Uh, we have talking circles and moon circles specifically to explore other ideas, support people, and hear each other out. And this isn't about deciding who's right or wrong, necessarily. In fact, it's never about that for me. It's more about broadening my point of view. So not everybody has the same life as me. So in hearing what others have to say, it enriches my life by caring so. When we did the talking circle about race, there were a couple of people there from other countries. So South Africa and somewhere else, um, I think. And their experiences of race were very different, and it helped me to see things I hadn't before. When we did the talking circle on sexual assault, it was the same. I work as a trauma therapist. You'd think I'd heard it all. But the trauma office, or therapist office, is a very different place than a community gathering. And I heard some stories that were very different from my life experiences. Moon circles are the same. Having a place to witness and safety is invaluable. Now this isn't about challenging ideas but sharing them. We don't do that in talking circles or moon circles out of respects. We don't challenge. It's not the time. But you certainly can do that in our Facebook group. Uh we've had people that in there that some people find racist, and that's tolerated because we don't want any othering in pan society. We don't allow hateful behavior, but you can say anything that you want as long as you're respectful and not attacking people. It's like the Zen story about the thief in the meditation hall. The disciples caught the thief and asked the master to punish him. And the master refused, saying, forgive him. When it happened again, the disciples threatened to leave en masse if the thief was not dismissed. Uh, but the master refused again. And said, he said, if I don't teach him, how will he learn? It's up to you how close you let people get to you, but the healthier you are, the more you can tolerate it without it bothering you. So when you have free discourse, you'll hear things that are unsavory, unpopular, distasteful. You don't have to be offended. Let the speaker take responsibility for that. But you can learn from things that are not the norm, things that you don't see every day or hear every day. Another thing we need to talk about is religious um trauma syndrome is that lots of people don't know that it's a thing if we talk about what's healthy and not healthy and make people responsible for their own choices which is engaging in sovereignty we empower them to do what's right for them some will choose to stay in traumatizing situations and that's hard to accept if you love and care for them but that's their choice you don't have to um, save people because saving people from a toxic disempowering situation by rescuing them against their will and putting them in is, is basically putting them in another toxic disempowering situation so if you become the oppressor to save the oppressed then what are you saving them from? So that's that's sovereignty that's their free will. Talking about it more and raising awareness about religious tra- trauma syndrome is um, good because it helps people to start asking questions and questioning you know maybe i'm talking and you're just like oh shoot you know she's talking about me that's a good thing so it's about giving people information so that they might say hey you know what maybe this is going on with me maybe this is why i don't feel like i don't belong anywhere and i can't feel my feet underneath me maybe this is why i don't trust anybody maybe i need to do something different step two to recovery is to drop the old paradigm I've talked about this a lot in various ways because I see a lot of people who are new to animism who bring their old ways of thinking into their animist practice, and I'm not saying that it's toxic necessarily or that it's wrong. We each have to find our own way, but if any time I would see a domestic violence victim and say, "Oh, this time they you know they said this time would be different," and I and You know they try to bring their old abusive ways into the new because it's comfortable or easy and then it ends up that they just slip back into the old patterns so same thing different person and there's a lot about mainstream religions that don't fit within animism in my opinion i'm talking about indigenous animism there's a lot of new spin-offs and reconstructionist paths that i don't know a lot about maybe it works there but in a complementary dualistic spiritual path with no dogma personal responsibility, love of all, well, a toxic hierarchical structure just doesn't fit within that. If you like equality, love, and personal responsibility to balance out your freedom, what else do you need? Again, you know, do you? (laughs) Just my opinion. And if your um, past social context and family were also of a toxic faith, dropping the old paradigm probably means cutting off all contact, at least for a while. So you can solidify your new foundation and your new sense of self. I have a lot of clients who have been through this, maybe five total, but only one has healed enough to have a somewhat healthy relationship with her family. And this requires a lot of radical acceptance on everyone's part. So keep hoping um, they keep hoping that she'll come back to the fold, but they love her enough to want her in their lives as she is. So it's kind of working after many, many years. She's totally solid in who she is and has done a lot of therapy and healing. Without that, I doubt that we this would have been possible without risking more damage with every contact. So step three or suggestion number three. Uh, I don't think you have to do all of these in a stair-step fashion. But so suggestion number three is to find your tribe. So talk to people who have had your same situation. Normalize it. Not that that type of abuse is normal, but when you feel like you um, are with people who have been through it and who can understand it, it's, it's not as lonely of a place to stand. When you can laugh about the horrors and commiserate over your trials, you feel like you have a community who have survived and you're not a lone wolf. And this is really important to healing. You are already really invalidated by the abuse, so the more validation you get as a survivor and a human, the better. Your tribe can also help you to explore where to go next. Maybe you want no spiritual path for a while. And maybe you dabble. So stepping back into the arena actually has to be hard because your faith was shattered. You heard about all this love and goodness, but it didn't actually feel that way. So it's scary. And having support can help you go at your own pace and explore whatever it is that you want to explore. Suggestion number four is to feel your feelings and validation. And validation and taking away your power is an incredible hurtful thing allowing yourself to feel your feelings is a small way to start taking back your power it's a way to say this was real it really happened and it really hurt I have clients who don't know how to feel their feelings they just shut down so this could be a process for you especially if you were told to be good all the time and weren't given the space to feel the way you feel it's okay you can learn to be expressive again you can start with those happy feelings Because those are definitely safer. So find a way to create or play that makes you forget yourself. Lose yourself in whatever makes you smile. Don't hold back. How you do anything is how you do everything. So if you can laugh, you can cry. Just let yourself. In Pan Society, we have lots of rituals for getting in touch with grief and sadness. For this reason, it's normal. It's natural. It's healthy. And sometimes we're too busy for it, so we have to schedule it. And we do it with the moon at a special time of year alone or with a group. We do it spontaneously sometimes. However it happens, let it happen. Be with your grief, sadness, rage, or whatever you feel. It's okay. And when you're done feeling it, it'll stop hurting. It takes as long as it takes. Me, I'm a dumper or a leaker. I can dump a ton all at once and it wipes me out for a while, or I can leak, usually in meditation. Meanwhile, uh, I'm not really all that aware that I'm carrying anything, so it's good to make space and let things go. We all have stuff, and so much of it is unconscious. We don't go around saying, I have 10 gallons of grief related to that time in 2001. It's usually more covert than that. We pick stuff up all the time. We just have to make space to let it go with regularity, too. And a meditation practice helps with stuff like that. It's like inhaling and exhaling. So suggestion number five is to see a trauma therapist. Complex PTSD isn't your run-of-the-mill mental health issue. It requires specialized training and techniques that address your body and brain. It's not talk therapy. It's holistic. Trauma therapy is about your whole being. And if you're indigenous and you have access to a spirit walker, you could do that. But most of us don't have that luxury. And that might not be enough. I've talked to many people who've had soul retrievals either who got no positive results or the results were not lasting. So when you bring the soul back home, the soul part has to have a safe place to be. If nothing was done to create that safety, so no trauma therapy, why would it stay? The other part is that there is a transition period where the soul part kind of hovers around seeing if it wants to stay and how it belongs now. While it was away, things changed you grew or regressed or whatever the case may be and you have to get to know each other again to figure out how to be a part of each other your old part still has the same triggers and needs so it may be bring back old habits and fears that you don't that don't work and they need treatment so if you don't have a plan for how to deal with that your old parts may not stay or they may bring back more problems so it's not a band-aid or a quick fix you still have to invest in your own healing This is actually one of the old paradigm things that I'm talking about that has to be given up. It's not a religious one, but a mainstream mentality. And Americans are pretty hedonistic. We have low frustration tolerance and have a let the good times roll or eat, drink and be merry attitude. Nothing wrong with that. People that um, are like that tend to be happier, more fun and more social. The problem is that the party doesn't last. And if we don't take care of tomorrow, it gets here with us being in debt overweight, and sick, which is how most Americans age, right? Nature usually kills slowly and heals slowly. It's the little things that you do every day that create your overall health. So one chocolate bar today won't kill you, but a bunch of them over the course of your lifetime might. Tribal animus have a good relationship with the past. We honor the ancestors and share our stories, so we have healthy relationships with the present, not the hedonistic one, but the more mindful one. We also look out for the future so there's that seed for planting next season and a clean world for the descendants to be born into. So if your soul retrieval allows you to continue a lifestyle that wasn't healthy, it's not benefiting you and that soul part will leave again. If you repair the damage and create a lifestyle where your soul parts want to stay and can be an asset to you, you're going to be healthier overall. So doing trauma work is the big picture long game. Suggestion number six is to embrace a holistic spiritual path of complementary duality. This totally removes sin, punishment, and right and wrong. We still have cause and effect. There are things that can still hurt you, but life becomes more about learning what works and what doesn't and learning how to honor and live with creation rather than fear or subjugate it. If you want God or the gods in your life, the same applies. The gods don't just serve the people. The people serve the gods, too, with sacrifices and prayers. There's give and take, a balance of masculine and feminine. Remember that what goes up must come down. Anything that promotes self-loathing or othering has to be challenged. It might feel good to make someone else bad, but eventually you're going to be on the other side of that. That's just the way life works, so it's much better to be compassionate to all and give everyone a place at the table. This doesn't mean you have to like everybody. It just means that flies, mosquitoes, rhinoceroses, porcupines, and snakes, and other prickly things are sacred, too. Another way to look at this is through the wheel of life. So everything is a circle. The wheel turns. And if you're on the outside of the rim, you're going to go up and down, back and forth, and live in the extremes. Always black, then white, then man, then woman, then rich, then poor. Or you can hang out at the hub where you're everything all at once without all those ups and downs. So which one sounds more enjoyable? Now sometimes it's good to be high and have peak experiences, but it's always followed by down. And if you expect it to be any other way, you're in for a disappointment. If you're in the middle of the wheel, is there anywhere to go? Is there anything to do? No, right? You just enjoy the ride. So everything you need is right here, all the support, guidance, sunny days, smiles, everything. If you're not seeing it, look within. Give it away. When you give it away, you'll see the environment responds by giving it back to you. It just does. In this way, there. Um, this is the way to create the spirituality of your own experience. And in my experience, there's only one spiritual path, and that's animism. It's the path of nature. We're nature. And if you can use your experience to define your spirituality, you create something personal, meaningful, and true to you. And as you grow, it grows. So you never lose your place or your faith. As long as you're mindful and pay attention, it'll feed you. And you will feed it. I don't know what can be more meaningful than that. And honestly, I think we owe it to ourselves and our world to continually upgrade our spiritual understanding. Not that it's ever inferior, but I see it as a thing when you know better, you do better. I would expect that an elder has a deeper understanding of spirit than a teen because of life experience. doesn't make it superior, just maybe deeper. Certainly different. I have one more suggestion, um, so we stop at lucky number seven. If your toxic spiritual path included toxic positivity, well, I guess we just covered that in number six, but embrace your holistic spiritual path. Nobody has to be good all the time. Your worth is not related to how much you smile, how much you achieve, how pretty you are, or how obedient you are. You're enough just as you are. It's okay to have a down day or even a down year. Yes, it's pleasant to be around upbeat, positive people. But when it's fake, you dismiss other people's reality, hide your own painful emotions, ignore your problems. And that's not real life. Spiritual is about real life, to me, at least. It's a reflection of and complement to the mind, body, and emotions. I tend to be polypositive, so I have to watch this in myself. Not the fake part, because I'm almost never fake, but the part about negating other people's reality. Just because you see the bright side doesn't mean the other person does, should, or is ready to. So meet people where they are. And be where you are. Sometimes it's more a matter of bad timing than sensitivity, so I wouldn't take it personally if it happens and if you're on the receiving end of someone saying something like happiness is a choice or everything happens for a reason you could just say I'm not there yet or that's not how I'm feeling right now and hopefully that'll bring the two of you back to the same place so that you can connect the last thing you want to do is shame or blame someone who's already had a hard time with religious guilt or to do that to yourself witnessing or holding space is a better alternative this is um, not to say that you can never Try to cheer someone up. Everything can be damaging in the right or wrong situation. We all want to have high vibes and be the sunshine in the room. But darkness and rain are beautiful too. They're balancing and healing. So let yourself be where you are. You don't have to be positive all the time. And if you're in a place where you can't do someone else's darkness, that's what sovereignty is for. Excuse yourself and take care of your own needs. It doesn't have to be wrong or bad. Just not what you need in the moment. The cycles of life naturally move from positive to negative. And I don't mean good or bad. I'm talking about polarity. You see it in the wheel of life. We're coming up to the summer solstice where the masculine energy will be the strongest. And then it gives way to the feminine. It goes back and forth every year. And when we get to extremes, it can be too much or toxic. It becomes oppressive. And we swing the other way. And maybe that's what's happening now. I can certainly see a giant swing towards the feminine and spirituality and the divine Feminine. So as we swing, let's do it more mindfully so that this doesn't become dogmatic and toxic too. Let's keep the best of what we are and love and share and be open to others. If you're here, healing from a toxic time, ask questions or just sit back and observe. However you want to do it is fine. If you can support someone who's endured toxic spirituality, please do. Coming out of invalidation is not easy. I think there's a lot more coming to us than running from us. If you want to help someone explore animism and you want to try our online class, join us at pansociety.org. If you want to support our mission, we'd love to have a review on the podcast on iTunes. So thank you all for being here. Thanks to all our volunteers. And thank you to the Ancestors and Elements. We'll see you all next week. Ciao.